And good morning. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. I'm Glenn. He's Griffin. Today's show brought to you by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. So, yes, you see the uh, Lamar meter behind us. 0 for 1, Griffin. 0 for 1. The Lamometer. we got to get this figured out. What is it going to take? How do we make that work? I don't know what we're going to have to do. Gonna, I'm going to have to condition God, myself. My gonna word. Condition myself fast. Took all of 60 seconds for us to miss it today. See it right over my left shoulder. The, we, see the what? Lamar meter. The Lamometer? You see, now you're forcing it. And I understand that. You're trying to make up for your previous faux pas, but you can't force it. So, if you missed it yesterday, we had a lot of fun with this. The internet appeared to enjoy it. In fact, I've got to be honest with you, I'm feeling a bit of pressure related <laughs> to the Lamar meter. Lamometer. I. I I don't feel like I am the singular authority of these things. Well, but make your mind up, though, because I think you are. We're kind of going to have to be now is the way it's going to go. So if you don't know what we're doing, the Lamar meter, which uh, was Lamometer. Uh, put, thank you, was put together by our friend Gwen's uh, Chili Bowl, is a reflection of where I'm at on this roller coaster and where we all are on this roller coaster of a day-to-day basis. Because I did say I am listening to input related to where the Lamar meter all Lamometer, right, there we go again. Lamometer. I'm gonna have to turn off one shining moment. I'm gonna. I don't want to do that. Okay, I pull pull the curtain back. <laughs> For those that don't know, today is my favorite day of the year. Like I, it's Thursday? it's sad. Yes, Thursday. It's sad for me because like I've I've got work now. I've got things I have to do as an adult. But when I was a younger man, not only would we take off on the first day of the tournament, but famously, uh, my friend Chris Pell and I once concocted that we hosted a full on stadium tailgate at Ripken Stadium up in Aberdeen, the morning of the first day of the NCAA tournament, because this is how much I love this day. Like, this day is everything to me, and I'm, I i don't want to talk about the fact that I now have jobs and I have to work on the whole thing, but it's my favorite day of the year. So to make sure that we can watch the Maryland game, because we've got, we're, uh, we're cordless, we cut the cord here at the studio, mm-hmm. I downloaded the March Madness app this morning, and I was like trying to figure out if you have to put a password in or something like that for your cable in order to be able to watch. And instead, testing it out. Instead, what they were showing, what they were, what was live on the app, was just a montage of every one shining moment video. Now I got in a little bit early this morning. Yeah, I thought you had slept here. No, because I had a dentist appointment, (laughs) and I said, "Welp, this is going to be awkward." When I am completely not prepared to do the show, because all I'm going to do is just keep watching. Now the really difficult part is we're about to get to the Maryland year. Like we are right on the cusp. Of getting, I guess they're pausing and doing something else. Yeah, like a, it looks like a... They've gone back in time. I don't know. They started doing... We had gotten up to like 97, and now they've gone back to Bo Kimball. So I'm not really sure what's going on with the app. But I know this was an important lesson for Griffin. I started teaching about the various different versions right, of yeah. One Shining Moment over the years, which Luke. is the most important song in recorded history. I started telling about how it was Teddy, and then they tried to do the stupid Jennifer Hudson thing at one point, and... Look, it's Luther. Luther is the answer for one shining moment. But that's neither here nor there. All I'm saying is it's distracting Griffin enough that we're going to have to turn it off in a minute. We've got a we've got a bit of a problem there. Yeah. Back to the Lamar meter. The, the Lamometer. So, let's talk about today. It's our first official update. By the way, 
press box is going to compile Lamar meter updates Lamometer. every day. If you go to pressboxonline.com slash Lamar. So you will be able to see where we were one day, where we were the next day. We will do it Monday through Friday. As I said, it'll be at the start of the show every day, except for if for whatever reason there is some sort of crazy breaking news that so drastically alters the status of the Lamar meter that we are forced to you did did it again. The Lamometer. Right right when I say it. Right when I say it. <sighs> Radio. Anyway. Um, that it requires us to update at another time. Like I need to drive in on the weekend and do a, do a and quick live, something like that, a live stream, whatever it is. So that's the status. That's the story of what we're doing here with the Lamar meter. The Lamometer. Now, with that being said, today let's talk about it. We started at seventy percent yesterday. I had a couple of people that suggested that number should be higher because there's no team in on Lamar Jackson. I said, I understand that, but we're, we're still very early in the process. I, I think you're diminishing the possibility of what could happen post-draft when a team maybe doesn't come away with a quarterback that wanted one and how reckless they could be. And we can say part of my build-up to 70% is the story I said that when we talked to Brian McFarland the other day, it felt like he was saying, look, the Ravens are putting themselves in position to be able to match anything. But there is still the question of how far they're willing to go. And if a desperate team after the draft puts out like a six-year, $300 million fully guaranteed deal, are the Ravens really willing to match that? So I'm not quite ready to go too far, too crazy. There's also still the possibility, as I said before, that Lamar could just decide he's done. It's time for him to move on. So that's why the number was 70% yesterday. Look how early John Colson yeah, came in today because he wants to be here for the electricity of today's Lamar meter update. He Lamometer. wants to watch it live as the Lamar meter moves. Lamometer. So yesterday, what do we have to work with? First of all, officially, teams could start talking to Lamar Jackson as of 4 p.m. when the league year began. What we know, or what we don't know, is if anyone did. And so because of that, that would seem like a positive thing. If there was a team that was blowing smoke a week ago when reporters were asking them if they were interested in Lamar, and the moment they had the actual chance to put an offer sheet down, they were going to do it, but didn't come to fruition. So that goes into our math or arithmetic for where the Lamar meter is going to go today. Okay, now. Lamometer. Gotta be on top of it, Grant. Yeah. Gotta. We gotta, is there a focus, what's the drug for ADD? What's that one? The, the like Adderall? We're gonna get you on that. We gotta do something. That's the first thing that the factors Adderall into it. Show. The second factor, Griffin asked me before the show if the Baker Mayfield factors in. To me, not so much. I saw the report last night from Jeremy Fowler, like the Ravens were poking around on Baker Mayfield and Jacoby Brissett. If there was any world in which the, the Ravens are poking around on those guys as starting quarterbacks, everyone should be fired, with all due respect. Everyone involved should be fired from their jobs. Those are emergencies. Those are if disaster occurs. And by the way, I would argue that I would feel better about one of those two guys is my backup quarterback than Tyler Huntley, but it's not even definitive to me. I think I would rank it Brissett one, Mayfield two, Huntley three if I had to rank those three guys as backup quarterbacks. 
But I don't even know that with certainty. There could be an argument made for Tyler Huntley being comfortable as a Raven or something like that. But those guys, Baker Mayfield, should never have been the consideration to be a starting quarterback in Baltimore. To be a guy that you bring in, again, as a backup to Lamar because of his familiarity with Todd Munkin, to bring him in as an emergency should you lose Lamar and not draft your quarterback, those are different conversations. But never as they thought to, I mean, I guess that thought would be that he would have to start. So, no, I guess I would say the Baker thing. Plus, I never bought into the Bucks. I've never bought into the Bucks as being that team. Their, their cap space isn't good. There's just nothing that suggests the Bucks would be the team that would end up prying Lamar. But the Commanders thing is more interesting. There's no world where Jacoby Brissett should be what is the difference in whether or not you're willing to explore Lamar. But if you buy that they were being truthful, Ron Rivera said his plan for the quarterback position was for it to be Sam Howell with a veteran to compete with him. Uh, It's like two weeks ago he did an interview with someone out at the Combine, and he said, look, we said Sam Howell's going to be the guy, but we do want to have some competition in here for Sam Howell, someone that can push him, If he happens to beat him, so be it, but more just we want to push him. So if you're willing to take Ron Rivera's word for it, this is exactly what they would do in order to create viable competition for Sam Howe, with their hope being that it pushes him to make him better, and then Jacoby Brissett can kind of be a backup plan if Sam Howe falls apart and goes belly up. If I was around the commanders, I'd be furious that this is my plan at the quarterback position, but... You know, this is what they said they were going to do, and they did it. So that does have to factor into me on the one wild card that existed that has been brought up by so many people. I know Florio has pushed it a ton, which is that the commanders could just be the team because of Dan Snyder's situation that says, guns blazing, double middle finger, on my way out, I'm going to F the next owner, I'm going to F the rest of the owners, and I'm going to be the one that offers the reckless offer sheet, that crazy fully guaranteed deal that pisses everybody off, go screw yourself, here's my gift to you. The one problem I have with that is, like, Dan Snyder's an egomaniac. I actually, but he's also a a massive Washington football fan. Like, that's the reason why he bought the team, is because he's a huge fan. I don't think he's going to want to root for the team after he's been forced out of his ownership. I don't know. Maybe he's just such a fanboy that he yeah. still will. Look, look at Ted Lasso. <laughs> yes, it's a very different conversation, Griffin. Um, I, I just don't know that he's going to want to try to improve that team on his way out the door, right? Like, I, I think it's going to be very difficult for him, even though he's being rightfully forced out. He's He's a psychopath. He's going to try to be a martyr and pretend like, you know, or he's going to be the type that's going to pretend like he was wronged in this entire process, and he's going to hold a grudge, and I don't think he's going to want to root for the team. So I don't know that he actually wants to make the team better on his way out the door. All that being said, the combination of no... I mean, the one... the dude, You guys all got worked up about a tweet about the Colts last night. That was from a guy. My God. The way that people were reacting to a tweet that was from no one. We are so embarrassing. Someone named Evan Massey, who either paid for his blue check or because for a little while everybody was getting blue checks, accidentally got one. 
he touts in his bio featured on Forbes, ESPN, Yahoo, Fox Sports, SIBR, blah, 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 blah. Good for him. Maybe. He doesn't work for any of them. Maybe at some point, like a tweet of his ended up on the bottom of the screen on one of these networks or something like that. He's no one. Insider for Hoops Analysis Net and NFL Analysis Net. Have you ever heard of NFL Analysis Net? No, I'll look it up, though. What do you think the qualifications are to work for NFL Analysis Net? Have a computer? Uh, My God! The way we overreacted to this tweet like it meant something was embarrassing. Lamar Jackson's been tied to the Colts. No, he hasn't. No more so than the day before where we all said to ourselves, huh, the Colts are clearing some cap space. I wonder if it's to go after Lamar Jackson. That's the same fact that we have. Nothing about this tweet, or this, no offense, this might be the nicest guy on the face of the planet. Maybe he helps old ladies walk across the street. I don't know. I'm not trying to say he's a garbage human. I'm saying there is absolutely nothing about guy on the internet that says you should think that that's a legitimate report. Come on, man. We can't. I I know we have dumbed down. Twitter has ruined us. I understand that this is what Elon Musk wanted. He wanted it to be that someone with authority and someone without authority are equals. And I'm not trying to, you know, stand up and say we should all bow down to the giants of the media industry. But Jesus Christ. There has to be a line at which we say we're not going to overreact to a tweet from guy with a beard on the internet. It's got to matter. Like, it's not Adam Schefter. Settle down over there. It's not Chris Mortensen. I'm getting there. I'm explaining the number. Everybody just wants now, to see the Lamar meter move. Now, the commanders, they're still, they're still, they could still very much be in. Like, the There's Jacoby Brissett deal is Jacoby Brissett million should not, yeah. in any world, be what prevents this. But it's just the fact that this is what Ron Rivera said they were going to do, and it's what they did, yeah. and it makes you wonder they if he's down. just being truthful. Like, he's being as, it's true. this is the plan, this is what we're going to do. So those two things are factors, which gets us to the moment. Sorry for those of you that were just wanting me to... Currently, it sits at 70%. Okay. Drum roll. We move it down? No, we are not. We are moving it oh, we're up. Moving, okay, okay. 74% wow. is the new reading big, on the lamar meter Big 4% jump. 74% is where we have gone. What are you, what, what? Colson's actually disappointed by that. He wanted it to go the other way? What the hell? The new reading of the lamar meter thank you, is 74%. Based on no teams being on record as having put an offer sheet out in the first day that it was available for teams to put an offer sheet out, and based on the fact that the commanders addressed quarterbacks somehow, which potentially could end up eliminating them. Now, I'm not saying it definitely eliminates them, but it potentially could eliminate them. So officially, the number is 74%. You can agree, you can disagree, feel however you want to feel about it. I am always open to input. I do want this to reflect something more than myself. Apparently, um, this morning, 
our friend uh, Dev uh, Panchwa said, I'm like 80%. Well, Dev, I'm not quite there. We're not that far off. 74%. 74% is my number for where I believe we are on the Lamar meter. And so, Lamometer. The Lamometer. We'll get I'm there. trying to get a good photo. Hold on. What, what do you mean you're trying to get a good photo? How many times do we have to do this? We got to do better with this process, man. We got to we got to clean up the process for the Lamar meter. Oh my god. We also have to clean up that process. This is a rough scene. Rough, rough scene. We might need to hire someone else to do your job. Just that part of the job. Might need to work on that. 74 officially is the number after the events of yesterday. So, um however you feel, feel that way. I don't care, but that's the number. That's where we are, and we will see what transpires today. If a legitimate report were to come out that were to link Indianapolis in some form or fashion, that would obviously impact where we are with the Lamar meter. So Lamometer. That's the deal. All right, so guess, so guess what happened? I think I bumped into it. I'm going to have to take another picture. Are you serious? Yeah, I'm serious. Yeah. How did you move it to 90%? I, I, I don't know. What the hell is going on? What is happening here? The easiest thing in the world to take a picture of a meter, and we are really struggling with it. All right, let me point out a couple things. A bunch of you pointed out the campiness of the the Lamara meter. That's the point. We're not trying to do something high tech. It's silly. This is a silly thing. My God. That was the idea. Uh, I see the 11th grade uh, skill. Stop. It's supposed to be campy. You big dummies. Love you. Appreciate the fact that you're interested. Um, so that's one. Two, it was suggested to me that we do like an AP and college uh, or AP and coaches poll version that I have my own Lamar meter and then that we offer the ability for the people to have their Lamar meter. Lamometer. Thank you. <laughs> Too much. Too much. Do your own thing. Put it up. Start your own Twitter account. I don't care. It's our thing. But again, as I said, I'm going to take the uh, the opinions. I'm going to take insight from you if you want to share a thought on where um, the Lamar meter should be on each day. If you say, hey, man, did you see this? I think it should impact the reading. Or if you want to say, hey, I'm really only at a 70%. Also, your opinions about whether you want Lamar back or not, and bizarro world. I said this to somebody yesterday. It's such a bizarro world to me how many people have convinced themselves they just don't want Lamar back. The greatest offensive player in franchise history, and they're just like, nah, just nah, I'm sick of this. No, move on. I mean, it's insanity to me. And it's a minority. I want to make that abundantly clear. I'm not trying to project and make it seem like it's somehow 50-50. It ain't 50-50. But that there's even a person that feels that way is insane to me. This doesn't reflect that at all. This isn't an opinion thing. This is attempting to use all of the fact, all of the information we have in order to come up with a number that tells us where our feelings should be about something. It's almost like a, I don't know, what's, I'm trying to think of a comparison for this. A, uh, 
trust index, something like that. That is what we're doing here. So again, 74% is the number, and we will need to work on this process <laughs> and clean it up for tomorrow. Day one did not go well. Did not go well, but 74% is the number. So there you go. Uh, that'll be our first update, and you can get daily updates at PressBoxOnline.com slash Lamar. All right? Very good. Now, that being said, a couple of things. One, coming up on the program today, we'll talk more Lamar with Jarrett Bell of USA Today. In just a couple of seconds, we're going to talk some Orioles with Chelsea Janes, the Washington Post, who wrote a really good story about the on-the-field situation surrounding the Orioles. And our weekly NFL draft segment today with the great Daniel Jeremiah of NFL Network, who, of course, is a former Ravens scout, lead draft analyst for NFL Network. Daniel Jeremiah will check in with us as well. So all of that coming up on the program today. This is last call, last call for our charity bracket contest. Speak now or forever hold your peace. You got to get in. Venmo, Glenn Dash Clark, PayPal, Glenn Clark 180, or Cash App, dollar sign, Glenn Clark Radio, and you got to do it quickly you got to do it like within the next hour and a half once you do message me glennclarkradio@gmail.com. say hey sent my money i will forward you the link this is the way it works it's 20 dollars. half of it goes to the winner half of it goes to show your soft side an amazing animal charity here in baltimore our charity bracket contest we've already reached our goal but we can take a couple of more and just raise a little bit more money for show your soft side which is a wonderful thing so let's do that. Get it in in the next hour and a half if you want to be in our charity bracket contest. Let's talk some birds this morning. Joining us now, national MLB writer for the Washington Post. She is Chelsea Janes, and she has a great column up about just on the field. We've talked so much about off-the-field stuff, but just on the field, where the Orioles are headed into 2023. Chelsea, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us this morning. Thanks for having me. Chelsea, it's really interesting to me because, you know, uh, Vegas is not bullish on the Orioles going into the season. Pakoda is not bullish on the Orioles going into the season. There is a belief among those people that the Orioles will regress from where they were a year ago. Internally, I think a lot of us are saying, or internally in Baltimore, we're saying, well, that doesn't make sense. They've got a full season of Adley Rutschman, a full season of Gunnar Henderson, we're thinking a lot, you know, we didn't have any of Grayson Rodriguez a year ago. Why would we assume that the Orioles are going to be worse than they were a year ago? How do you kind of make sense of of where, you know, the, the numbers people feel versus where tangibly it feels like the Orioles should be trending in a continued positive direction? You know, I think if you look at them last year, there is definitely an argument to be made that everything went right. Um, and that goes down to, to health, to almost everything. And, and I think that's true. I think a lot of people, you know, outperformed expectations last year and stayed healthy and, and it's no guarantee that either will happen this year. I think, I think one of the reasons it's really hard to know what to make of them is you're not relying on people that have track records. You can't set expectations for people that, you know, haven't, you know, shown what they can be in the big leagues. And, you know, if, if you expect Adley Rutschman to be what he was last year, that's that's a really good player. But what is Gunnar Henderson? What is Grayson mm-hmm. Rodriguez? You don't know. So I think that, you know, when it comes to betting and people on the outside, you're, you're going to assume that a prospect isn't going to immediately click. But 
you know, I think the Orioles and, and people around them think these are different kinds of prospects, and, and they might be right. And the interesting part to me is while the Orioles didn't go out and spend, you know, big money on the starting pitching that I think fans here were hoping they were, they weren't in on a Carlos Rodon or, you know, even any of the secondary guys, still on paper, it even with just Cole Irvin and Kyle Gibson, it looks like this should be a better rotation than the Orioles had a year ago, doesn't it? It certainly will be a more experienced one. And I think, you know, there's reason to believe that, that what we saw from Kyle Bradish last year and Dean Kramer and, and other people will, will be the same or get better. I, I mean, I think, I think it's like everything else. It's like the pieces are there and on paper, you know, if those young guys are really good, they're in great shape. I mean, Kyle Gibson's really steady. He's not going to blow you away. Cole Irvin is a really good left-handed pitcher, but he's not, he's also not necessarily going to be an ace. So right. you need somebody to kind of step up in that role. But again, it's like, why not some of these prospects we've heard about for a long time? I think that's an easy attitude to have when you're rooting for the Orioles, and it's easy to sort of dismiss that when you're when you're sitting outside of, of Baltimore. Chelsea, I guess all of this is sort of reflecting, I'm not sure how to fairly judge the Orioles this season, right? Because, again, on the idea of the trajectory and where they were a year ago, I, I think you would say it's fair to judge is this a team that makes the postseason? They feel like they should be competing for that. It feels like that's where they should be headed. But based on the actual players that are going to be on the field, is it fair to judge this group by whether or not they make the playoffs this season? Yeah, I think it is. You know, I think they've had long enough to sort of develop and grow and get guys to the big leagues. And, you know, Mike Elias has said, hey, this this rebuild is over. And I think as soon as you say that, you know, you're sort of on the clock. It's, it's time to kind of put up or shut up. And you know, I think they're firmly in that phase. Now, you know, if they're in a very tough division, there's sort of all these caveats that would make it understandable if they didn't make it. But, you know, I think if you spend the time they've spent stockpiling young talent and betting on that young talent, and then when, when you take the step forward last year, you say, we're not going to go spend, we're going to see what we have. No, you're you're basically saying we think we can win with what we have, and I think they're going to have to to prove that. She is Chelsea Janes, national MLB writer for the Washington Post. She's with us here on GCR. Chelsea, I, I, obviously, like your story is so much about the players that are here, is you know, and because you've written about it, like so much of the conversation around here is kind of the other stuff, right? It's that they didn't spend money. So when somebody says, "Hey, would the Orioles, if they're in it, be willing to go acquire a player at the deadline?" I, my answer is still kind of at this point, I don't know, right? Like, And that's a factor in what I believe this team is capable of doing. Like, I think the Orioles should be willing to be aggressive and be buyers at the deadline, but the fact that they weren't yet willing to spend any real money, I don't know if the best strategy is to go about trying to take on a rental player and give up legitimate prospects still in doing something like that. I, I still have this kind of huge question about – you know, if they're in it, if they're, you know, riding in in July, are they really going to be willing to make that aggressive move? Yeah, it's a great question. And I think one of the things that they are uniquely positioned to do is make a move for someone that's more than a rental. Um, you know, who that is, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I agree with you that, you know, if you're not thinking you're going to win the World Series, don't toss away prospect capital right. just to, you know, make it to the, the first round. But but I, you know, I don't think that's necessarily what they would be doing because there are very few teams that have as much depth prospect-wise as they do. I mean, look what they gave up to get Cole Urban. I mean, it's something, but it, it didn't make you think, oh, my gosh, you know, their system's thin. So they've got a glut of really good infielders, I think they are. And they could honestly trade some big leaguers. You know, there's guys on that, that roster that, um, you know, could sort of help 
help major league roster, you know, at the deadline too. So I think they're in a position to make some unique deadline deals, maybe not the traditional take on salary and the veteran that's going to walk in free agency, maybe something more, a little more creative where, you know, you bring on someone that's around for a couple of years in, in exchange for a pretty heavy prospect price. It's interesting what you just brought up there, because I do think that like the, the secondary part of the story, like the first thing we're looking at is, are they ready to take the next jump to the playoffs? But I do think the secondary part of the story is that this is maybe like a, another look, a, I don't even want to say final look, but that they have got to figure out the, you know, there's a, few, a bunch of these guys, Santander, Hayes, Mullins, uh, because of his age, Mateo, what exactly are, Mountcastle maybe even, what exactly are these guys in the course of trying to figure out who the group is that they could use to try to go compete to win a championship? Where do some of these guys that arrived before last season maybe fit with that group, with the Rutschmans, the Hendersons of the world, and at some point, are you going to start, you know, putting your flag down and saying, hey, this guy is a part of it or saying at some point, maybe we, to your point, could trade one of these guys for a major league talent that could help us. We swap major leaguers to make something work. Yeah, I think there's, there's, a, there's a possibility for a huge variety of, of things here. I mean, I, I don't think you trade Rutschman or Henderson or anyone like that, but no. you've got some really solid infielders, you know, coming up and, you know, it, some of the names that I think of are, are like a name like Corbin Burns, you know, and, and I actually am kind of blanking on when he's a free agent, but somebody of that ilk who's on a team that isn't going to sign him maybe two, three years away from free agency, that's the kind of player they no can doubt. go get that I would say most teams in their division can't. I mean, you're not going to see the Yankees give up a ton for somebody like that if they can get a cheaper rental. It's, it's a unique situation, and I think that is exactly the kind of deal they'll probably be looking at. Um, whether you think they should be taking on payroll or not, I think this is a, a year where Michael Elias gets creative, and then if they're still kind of contending next year, then I think you can make a really credible, credible argument that, hey, we know what we have, we know what we are, let's go spend on the things that we don't have. No, I, I by the way, I completely agree with you, and, and Burns, I know, is at least another year on his before he would be eligible for free agency. I, it, to me, it's almost like there's a separate thing where I, I still don't know about some of the guys that have been around that are established big leaguers, like, do they fit under your whatever your championship window ends up being? Like, is Anthony Santander, who's been a really good player for this team, is he really a guy that you're putting a bunch of money in and you believe is going to be good if your window is in 2026, 2027, something like that? Like, that to me is a fascinating part of all of this is who do they think is definitely a part of this thing versus being the guys that kind of help get them there before they turn it over to Colton Kowser and Heston Kerstad and the players they really believe might be part of the championship window. Totally. I think Santander is sort of uh, the exact kind of person that, you know, you're thinking of in right. one of those deadline deals. He, he's got the power, he can, he can help, but, you know, if they think that he's expendable, um, you know, I think that's the kind of thing you can pull the trigger on. And I, I don't know how many teams can say that, that when right. they're in contention, they'd, they'd have major leaguers they're willing to trade. But, um, you know, I think the first few months of the season is really crucial because as much as we think we know what the Orioles have, like they need to decide who's, who's a guy and, and who they're willing to part with before everyone else figures it out for themselves and right. before the value on guys that aren't good drops. And so, you know, they're going to, the next few months are going to be really crucial for them in terms of evaluating and, and in terms of deciding, like, who is willing to, you know, who is someone they're willing to part with and who's not. And I think, you know, Santander is one example, but it gets a lot harder when you get down to the young guys. But they're going to have to do that, too. Chelsea, the Orioles, you know, say, at least John Angelo says, uh, he's committed to Brandon Hyde. And use the term he's vested. Did not give us definitive information, but said 
nobody's contracts up in a year or two. Do you believe that the Orioles are truly committed to Brandon Hyde as being the long-term manager? Or, you know, if for whatever reason they were to struggle a little bit at some point this season, do you still think there's a world in which they could say we might need to make a change there? I think it's an easy person to blame if they don't get where they want. Um, you know, I think they can say whatever they want, but if I were him, I, I'd be worried. You know, I'd be worried if they start to underachieve. And I, I don't think that's fair. You know, I don't yeah. think it's it's necessarily um, – there's no sign that Brandon Hyde has been the problem for the last Not year. At all. I think, in fact, last year, the steps they've taken forward were really promising. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, if you're Michael Elias and, and something isn't quite where you want it, you know, that's a place that you look and you say, oh, well, you know, we need a veteran manager to, to kind of steer them into winning. That's, we see that all the time. And I think it's an easy move. I don't know Michael Elias well enough to know if that's one he would, you know, do if he's somebody that's going to be sort of fiercely loyal. But I think, uh, you know, I think it's a fair thing to worry about if, if you're looking at, you know, what happens if things don't take off the way they want. I think it's very fair. Hey, Chelsea, before I let you go, obviously uh, just an awful scene last night at the World Baseball Classic with uh, Edwin Diaz getting hurt. I I get it. Injuries can happen anywhere at any time, even in fluky situations like a celebration, right? Like it, there's no guarantee that if Edwin Diaz hadn't been participating in the World Baseball Classic that he would have not gotten hurt this spring. But I really struggle with this. I, I know that in the moment it feels cool, but this is still to me not – like you, you don't let the pitchers pitch. It's not even to me a legitimate baseball competition. It, when when we see something like this, do you worry that it's going to impact whether or not teams are going to be comfortable with continuing to do this in the future? Yeah, I don't think they're comfortable now, to be honest with you. Okay. Um, but I think what we've seen this year is that uh, guys really wanted to play. And one of the things that is, is hard for me to kind of wrap my head around is, is – like the only reason that when Diaz got hurt is because he was celebrating something that everyone said is meaningless, but that looked pretty meaningful to them. Um, and they don't have to be there. And they were, and I think that tells you a lot about, you know, we kind of relate to the hometown teams. We look at them and say, that's our priority. But I think some of these guys are very, very meaningful and, and they feel more closely identified with their countries when they get the chance to play for them. And I, you know, I think it's, what we've seen, you know, this year at the World Baseball Classic is everything sort of going up a notch, like, because guys just want to be there and people care. And, you know, I've been to Miami maybe, you know, I don't know, 50 times in my, in my you know, beat writing career. And I, I've never seen more than 5,000 people in the stands. And last night there's 36, you know, it's, it matters. Um, so, I, you know, I think stuff like that, it's like you can tell them not to play, that's sure. But I think there's a lot of guys that will want to put it in their contracts if it means something. You know, are you going to tell Shohei Otani don't go play in a World Baseball Classic if you know that he's going to go elsewhere if you do? I mean, it's it's tough. And I think as long as it means something to the players, you know, it's, it's the teams are going to have to sort of cross their fingers and, and hope nobody jumps too much celebrating because it's, it's right, spooky. Right, I mean, it's right, not like he was out there and his arm fell off. He, right. he, he looks great and he fell. You know, it's tough. <sighs> I, I, I understand, and I, I do. The scenes have been remarkable. I just, man, I, I'm still going to struggle with it for forever. It's it's, it's really, I, yes, I, sure. I get the players wanting to represent their country, but again, I, it's, we know it's not, you could be pitching the game of your life and you're still going to have to come out of the game. It's not a legitimate competition. I'm sorry, I, Chelsea, I'm, you don't deserve <laughs> to have to hear my rant. Um, Chelsea underscore Janes <laughs> on Twitter is how you can follow her. We will link up her column about the uh, the Orioles getting ready on the field for the season. Uh, we will link that up at Glenn Clark Radio on Twitter. Chelsea, anything else I can plug for you? Uh, no, that's it. I, I think just keep checking my, my 
Philly Twitter, Chelsea underscore James. <laughs> I appreciate it. Chelsea, thank you so much for taking the time for us. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thanks for having me. Chelsea Janes, Washington Post, MLB writer. Appreciate her hopping on with us this morning. I, I'm the wrong guy. By the way, today's show is also brought to you by the print issue of PressBox. Speaking of the Orioles, Gunnar Henderson is right there on the cover. Great story from Luke Jackson about the man who's the favorite to win Rookie of the Year in the American League, despite the fact that he has struggled in the spring. Can't ignore that, but it's the spring. That doesn't count, so I'm not going to work. get myself too worked up about it. Go read that right now at PressBoxOnline.com or pick it up for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find PressBox. Gunnar Henderson on the cover of the new print issue, which is available right now. I I can't. I, I can't have you tell me, and I know what Chelsea's saying, and I've had a couple of people already bring it up. How can you try to diminish this event when you see all of these superstar players go participate in it? How can you try to diminish this event when you see the rabid atmospheres that have been created in Miami for these games? Well, let's cover both of those thoughts. The first being, these players would be participating in baseball no matter what. This isn't an event that's happening in December that requires them to take time out of their year in order to go participate in. They'd either be playing baseball completely meaningless games for their own teams and going through the motions or they'd be doing this. So I can understand why this would seem more pleasant. It feels a bit more meaningful. The games are all on TV. It feels like there's an opportunity for you to help brand yourself. Like I can see why players would want to participate in the World Baseball Classic instead of continuing to play spring training games in Dunedin or Bradenton or Port St. Lucie. I could get why playing in Major League Stadiums would seem more pleasant. I could understand why that would be something they would choose to do. The second part is, I get it. Like, there's something, there's an emotional tie to representing your country, and I'm not going to deny that. But none of it makes this a legitimate sporting competition. You can't say that because guys like it, that makes it legitimate. And trying to reconcile something like that last night, Edwin Diaz could get hurt at any point. But if he gets hurt gearing up for the season and you're the Mets, you kind of say, okay, we can live with that. He gets hurt celebrating, not with your team. It's got to be a bit more difficult to stomach. This was Major League Baseball's idea because they were shutting off the idea of baseball players going to the Olympics. They were trying to create something in order to make players not want to go to the Olympics because they obviously have no interest in ever shutting down their season to allow players to go to the Olympics. They want it to exist. They think it's a big deal, so much so they're putting the American games on at 10 p.m. at night. Just brilliance. It'll never be for me. I've tried. I can't. You can't try to get me to believe that this is a legitimate competition. If the pitchers were allowed to pitch, I would feel differently. But that will never occur because we understand they're not ramped up. They can't do that. And you don't want to waste pitches on something that isn't your season. Imagine if you felt like you had to shut a guy down in September because he was pitching in the World Baseball Classic. It can never, to me, work. There's only negative that can come from it. 
There's nothing positive that I can get out of the World Baseball Classic. You can say, well, what about Adam Jones' catch? Again, one thing. You've got one thing ever. Ever. That's your list. You might remember that Cedric Mullins hit a triple the other night. You're going to forget about that by the next time the World Baseball Classic. I guess uh, Mike Trout hit a triple last night. You're going to forget about those things within a week. I'd be sick if I cared about the Mets. I'd be sick about it. I mean, I'd be sick if Edwin Diaz got hurt in any fashion, but particularly sick given that it occurred in something that isn't real and I don't care about. Is it possible that if they put players that are, I guess aren't you know aren't professional players, then so that it's they just can go the same as the Olympics? Yeah, it's the exact same as the Olympics at that point. Like, who cares? Nobody's gonna want to watch. So there's no answer. There's no answer. You can't do this. It's awful, man. Just awful to see that unfold last night. Really wretched. All right, um, we're gonna come back in. We'll talk more again. If you missed it at the top, Lamar meter, thermometer, seventy-four percent. 74% is where we are after Creeping today's up. update. Yes, moved up significantly. Significantly in context, I guess. Like, it didn't move up to 90%, but 74% is where we are uh, today's update. Today's show is also brought to you by PressBoxOnline.com slash offers. Betfred is Maryland's newest sports book and is now up and running just in time for March Madness. Bet $50 and get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. Go to PressBoxOnline.com slash offers for Betfred specials and other great sign-up ideas. Jarrett Bell joins us next. We'll talk some more, Lamar. It's Glenn Clark Radio. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers started over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets started over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career in healthcare? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs in medical front office, pharmacy technician, and certified nursing assistant. And the best part? Funding is available to those who qualify. Healthcare is a rewarding field that can offer job security and fulfillment. With CCBC's healthcare programs, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in these in-demand careers. Call us at 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC Healthcare Programs. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. That first sip. That first bite. Mmm. 
Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. Make the most out of every day in your Toyota RAV4. Available in hybrid or gas-only models. A RAV4 can get you where you want to go in style. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new RAV4s from your local Toyota dealer today. Check out pressboxonline.com every day to find daily winners and betting advice from Jeremy Kahn. And if you want some advice about life decisions that you probably shouldn't make, here's Glenn Clark. Gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit and stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. The, this is the question that we get. When, in, in factoring, do you factor into the Lamar meter, uh, will he report to camp and play on the tag? Yes. Yes, I do. That's part of the reason why I'm not going crazy with this. I have said a couple of times, part of what I'm leaving in there is a world in which Lamar says, I'm so unhappy about all of this that I'm just not going to show up. Now, to be fair, I have no reason to assume that that's what he's going to do as of yet, but I've got to think about it. And so part of the reason why, despite there being no known offers on the table, we're still only at 74% is because I think it's possible that Lamar Jackson could just decide, I'm really unhappy about this process, and I'm not just going to choose to play for less than $40 million a year, less than $35 million this year, if nothing gets worked out. So, yeah, it is a factor. There's no question about that as uh, we try to do the calculus for the Lamar meter. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, very good. All right, uh, let's talk a little bit more about Lamar Jackson. Joining us now, this man recently wrote about the topic. He is, of course, longtime NFL writer for USA Today. He is our friend, Mr. Jarrett Bell, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Jarrett, it's Glenn in Baltimore. It's always great to catch up. Thank you so much for taking a couple of minutes for us. Hey, Glenn. How you been, man? I'm all right, man. I'm in a, I'm in a weird place where I've had to talk about Lamar Jackson every moment of every day for a few months. <laughs> And uh, I feel your pain. I you, feel it. You know, it. it's a little you look. Could, you could be in New York or Green Bay. So, that's true. You know. There's that. And again, so that in context. I, and I could be digging ditches or serving in the military or something like that. I do understand <laughs> that this is not actually all that difficult. Um, I guess there's you know, there's so much to unpack about where we are. And when you wrote about it a week ago, I, I think the first question is, what do we make of we are now into the new league year? As of yesterday, teams had the option to try to put offer sheets in front of Lamar Jackson. To our knowledge, no one has. A lot of teams came out and said, we're not going to do that, whether you fully believe them or not, or they were just saying it to say it. I'm not sure. 
What do you make of exactly where not only the Ravens are with Lamar Jackson, but where Lamar is in the eyes of the entire league, given that we're sitting here with teams having the option and us having no knowledge that anyone has bid at the chance? Yeah, I mean, this story has um, been fascinating on so many levels, and one being the fact that um, without an agent and without Lamar, um, speaking publicly about it, which I don't blame him for, mm-hmm. but by the way, um, the the information flow has been limited. So there could be so many things going on that we just don't have a clue about. And so with all due respect to, to Lamar on that front, um, there's that possibility. But just to kind of circle back, you know, when with what I wrote last week and what you said a couple minutes ago about the fact the market is open, and there are all these teams that um, you would have thought would have been interested in him. Um, yeah, there's a great area there because if you are a team that really is interested in Lamar, why would you tell a reporter? Right. <laughs> why, right. why would you come on the Glenn Clark show and, and announce it to the world? Yeah, and so you you, you got to take that with a grain of salt. Um, but it is significant because, we know he's a supreme talent, and you look at, you know, just kind of how the market has worked for other people um, over the years and, and in recent years. And, you know, the Deshaun Watson situation is is definitely uh, a good comp because <laughs> Deshaun Watson had all sorts of baggage hanging over him, and look at what happened with him and the market. So, you know, just on that fact alone, you, you, you've got to think, hey, there's somebody, some team that might be willing to make a deal for him. Um, and so, yeah, TikTok, here we go. Um, not sure. Can't give you much insight on it. But, you know, the other thing, too, Glenn, as so many people have talked about, and I wrote about it last week, too, is this whole idea of whether there's collusion. Right. And I think that has legs because of, you know, the guaranteed demand, if you will, from the, from the uh, Lamar camp, if you could believe that part of it, which I, I, I think we all do, um, that, you know, he's really looking for the type of guarantee that, that Deshaun Watson got. So when you talk about collusion in the NFL and you talk about changing the game from a business standpoint and, you know, labor, player, player team relations with what it all means with guaranteed contracts. Um, yeah, I think this definitely, you know, at least passes the smell test of teams saying, no, we're not going to operate like that um, because we think that that could just do, you know, widespread long-term damage to the business structure. And that was what Steve Bishotti said in so many words, <laughs> you know, when Jimmy Haslam signed yep. Deshaun Watson to that deal last year. So that's the thing that really kind of interests me from the collusion standpoint. But just from the pure football standpoint, it, it doesn't make sense that, you know, people are not, you know, trying to make a play if, in fact, that is the case. So much of what you just said, Jared, like, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm one, I'm in complete agreement if a team's not going to end up getting Lamar Jackson, they def- if, if you're Atlanta and you are interested in Lamar Jackson, why would you want to announce to, De- to Desmond Ritter, right, for example, hey, we're trying to replace you, knowing there's a chance you don't get him and you might need that guy to go play next season, right? Like, I, 
I, if I'm in Atlanta, I'm hoping that's not the case, but there's a possibility that, that guy has to play, and it doesn't behoove you to have him thinking to himself, boy, you didn't want me to be your quarterback. So there's no benefit to announcing that you're in on somebody if you don't know that you're going to get him. The secondary part to me is the, the, the collusion thing. It's easy to say, well, you could never prove collusion. Sure, it's very difficult. I, I, I'd like to think that post-Colin Kaepernick, you know, if it, whatever they were doing, they probably they probably stopped using their email addresses to – you know, show their racism. <laughs> like what? It's insane to me that John Gruden was so stupid. Like it's it's insane to me that he was this vehemently racist. But it's also like, h- how can you be so dumb on top of it to just put it out on a company email? Like what is wrong with you? Um, but I yeah. I, would, I would go a step further to that, which is I don't even know that it had to be organized collusion as much as everybody just kind of looking around at each other and saying, "Hey, we're not doing that, right? Like we're just." It, it's not even about Lamar. It's just that immediately after the Deshaun Watson thing happened, everybody else said, okay, we understand we're not doing that no matter who it is, right? And that's the way that things went. Yeah, true and, and on all counts, no doubt about that. Now, you know, we talk about Deshaun Watson, but let's not forget about Kirk Cousins and his guarantee. Correct, that's right? correct. Um, and, and Kirk Cousins played the market as well as any player in, in the NFL from a, you know, a labor contract situation because, um, you know, he wrote in a fourth round pick at that. And then, you know, he rolls through the franchise tag system and ends up getting that. And so, um, you know, so it can happen if obviously someone wants you bad enough. So I, I think if you're Lamar, you look at that and you say, okay, um, I've given up, you know, myself to this point that, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, digging your heels in, but for the life of me, Glenn, I just wish he had an agent Mm -hmm. just because I look at Josh Allen getting a contract as soon, shortly after he was, you know, eligible, you know, you come in on those rookie contracts and then you can't really renegotiate them and, you know, for three years, well, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills got a deal done, you know, ASAP once he became eligible. And, you know, if Lamar, and, and my colleague Nate Davis wrote about this the other day, it's like if Lamar had like a, a an extension around the same time that Josh Allen got his, you know, he'd be $40 million richer today. And, you know, that's that's a lot of money, okay? Yep. Um, you know, the news flash here, right? But the point being, can you get that money back, right? If you're Lamar Jackson and you, you don't have an agent who you would have to pay 3% or less, you know, some agents will do it for 1% because the numbers are so big. And, you know, you, you, so if you, if you get what you want guaranteed wise, whatever the market is, you know, is it going to make up for the money that, you know, you could have gotten a couple years ago and be much closer to another payday because you'll be, you know, coming to the end of, you know, the second contract. So that's the part of it with Lamar that I, I just say, boy, if he had an agent, you know, doing all this for him, um, having active negotiations with the Ravens while it was going on, that I, I just I, I just have to believe that, you know, they they'd have a deal done by now, and, and if not, they'd be a whole lot closer. So I hear everything you're saying, Jared, and I know it ought to be true. I guess it's led me—I've been led to this place that's a little bit more interesting, which is 
what if this really isn't just about money in my pocket? What if for whatever reason? And I, I don't know anything about part of this is, I, and I've liked my conversations with Lamar. I think he's a, a really interesting young man. But Love we, him. Love we, him. We've, yeah. never, we've never seen anything that suggests that, like, he's interested in being the Kurt Flood of football or something like that. But, like, what if there is no. something bigger here? What if he has, in his conversations with the NFLPA, fallen in love with the idea of being the guy that says, nah, I'm in for the fight. I I want to ruin the franchise tag. I want to ruin non-guaranteed contracts. I I'm gonna fight this. I don't it's you know, it's not about the forty million dollars that I could have had the last two years. It's about I'm willing to take on that responsibility on behalf of a lot of people and say, I believe in this. And that to me, I have no reason to think that's what he's all about. But that to me would be really fascinating because then it's a what would he be willing to sign? Would he play under the franchise tag or would he just say, no, I'm willing to hold out uh, over this because I'm trying to make a statement that is bigger than just me making money? I Again, I don't know, but it's intriguing to me whether or not perhaps there's something going on there. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully we'll get a chance to ask him about that um, at some point because if you do do that, it's just going to cost you so much, right? So, and I'm not saying that's wrong if it's not about the money, but if you, you play this game and, you know, ever since you've been a phenom as a you know, high school player, college and pro, and then the rookie contract, and then you finally get to this point, you know, this is when you really get a chance to, to have your generational wealth um, determined. And so, you know, if I've given up my body like Lamar and so many other players, I mean, every other player really, but when you look at Lamar at that position and the way he plays and, and the risks and all of that, um, this is your, your opportunity to really, you know, cement something, you know, not only for yourself, but for yourself. So you may care about all the players, but what about your family and your kids and your kids' kids and, and so on, yeah, you know, yeah. things that you can do generationally. So I think that has to be in the equation somewhere. And I don't know, you know, not knowing it from the Lamar, you know, how important all of that is to him, but it's safe to assume that it is. And so, you know, you go back, you mentioned Colin Kaepernick a couple uh, a few minutes ago, and, yeah, he made a statement and made a stand and, you know, was celebrated, is celebrated, is a hero to a lot of people. Um, and, and in my mind, yeah, had all the right intentions and did a you know, wonderful job of, you know, bringing attention to something that has been proven since he began his protest to, to be even more relevant than a lot of people thought. And so, but what was the price? Okay. And, you know, Kaepernick, um, who's, you know, the last I've heard said, Hey, I still want to play, but you know, he, he was a willing to sacrifice that. So that's really the crux of, you know, the, the, the question you have is like, you know, Kurt Flood, Boy, Kurt Flood goes down in history as, you know, a game changer, you know, for Major League Baseball. And the kids out there may not know. Um, but, yeah, I want to say it was like 1970 or somewhere around 1970 where, you know, he really fought the free agency system in baseball and, and did it to the point that, you know, every free agent in baseball kind of, you know, owes comments to, to Kurt Flood. I don't know if that's what Lamar wants to do, right? So, but it's a great question, and and maybe you know it's it's not 
unfair to say, well, maybe part of him wants to, and the other part wants to, you know, who knows, but here we are right now. And, you know, it's, it's, it's still March. It's still early in the grand scheme of the, you know, the NFL calendar. So I think things can happen, will happen eventually, but, um, you know, how it all gets resolved is, is, is a head scratcher and what's been left on the table already. I agree with all that. And before I let you go, Jared, if I could, is there any thought in your mind that there's a possibility that the process ends up ends up poisoning the relationship between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? I've, I've made this comparison a couple times. Yeah. As a married man, there have been times in my life where I've said to my wife, hey, I don't really want chicken for dinner tonight. And all of a sudden, like, you know, <laughs> I don't respect her and we hate each other for 30 minutes. I'm like, what? I just said I didn't want chicken tonight. Like, what the hell just happened? That what? You, like, the Ravens could feel like, hey, we're just negotiating. Like, we're trying to do our best. We're not. We we love you. We just want to get every you know penny that we can in this process to spend on other players and to put a better team on the field. But maybe Lamar doesn't feel that way. That he might feel disrespected by having to go through this and frustrated that the Ravens are maybe saying, hey, we don't want other teams to put offer sheets in because we're going to tell you we're just going to match them anyway. Like, it, are you at all worried? Maybe worried is the wrong word because what do you care, Jared? But, like, would, would you would you think there's a possibility that this could end up creating a difficult relationship between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and that maybe at some point yep. if an offer sheet came in, Lamar would try to say to the Ravens, don't match it. I'm not happy here any longer. I want out. I want to be at this other place where they told me how much they love me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that is is definitely um, worthy of of consideration. And, yeah, it's a risk. It's a risk. Even if he had an agent, there would be the risk of, you know, alienating the player or, or, you know, damaging the relations, which is, you know, kind of what happened, but can can happen because we're talking about human beings. You know, uh, I know John Harbaugh, and have talked to him like you have and all of us in the media in the Baltimore area have over the years. And I think he's done a great job, at least, you know, just in terms of his public, um, and, and, and I'm sure privately too, but definitely with his public, you know, proclamations about Lamar, you know, it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> I'm the coach and I need this guy. Remember at one point, you know, Harbaugh was on the hot seat. It wasn't too long ago. And then Lamar comes along and, you know, Harbaugh's back, you know, on good footing in terms of, you know, leading, leading the team. And so um, it's got to be really, you know, um, frustrating for him as the coach because you, you only control so much. You don't control the, the purse strings. But I think there's also, you know, the, the reality that this is a business. So, so anybody who's in it, especially at this point, and, and for players, if you've been in it for, you know, a number of years, like Lamar, um, you know, all of that has to be kept in the context. So hard feelings can't go away. If you, you know, Glenn, if you were to cut me a check for, I don't know what, $200 million guarantee, I think those hard feelings will go away. And then, but you're invested in the person. I mean, I, that's what that means, you know, to one degree, too. And, like, so go to Cleveland and Jimmy Haslam and Deshaun Watson – well, you know, you, you've invested in this man, and so now you need to do everything you can to make sure that that investment comes to fruition in the most positive way that it can for your $250 million or whatever that, that number was. Um, yep. 
so so yeah, I think I, I, I think it's it's a fair question how the relations would be affected going forth. But I also think if you get it resolved and everybody can exhale, then you, you've got a common ground. Especially once you guarantee somebody say two hundred million or whatever, then yeah, okay, we know this is our guy and we know we're paying this money because it's an escrow over here, <laughs> and we and we and we know that this is what we've got to do. So you try to make the best of it. So I think that can be worked through with money. I, I, I hope. But you know, Hey, you, yeah. mentioned, you mentioned your wife, Glenn. Yes. You know, I wonder sometimes if, if Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers for that, for that matter, if they were married, if things would, <laughs> would work a little different. I don't know. It's like, you, you, yeah, right. You're leaving that that <laughs> offer table. No, we're not doing it. <laughs> it is a little bit different. There's no doubt about that. Uh, at Jarrett Bell on Twitter is how you follow him. USA Today and USAToday.com to see all of his stuff. Jared, is there anything I can plug for you, sir? No, I'm good, man. We're we're just trying to uh, get to the get to the end of yeah. uh, the Aaron Rodgers. Yes, saga. let's solve. And, and you know, it's going it's it's hey, that's gonna be a long time because once he goes to the Jets, uh, you know, there's a whole you know, another chapter to, to cover. So he's definitely giving oh, us some material. Oh, Aaron Rodgers in you know, New York. I- My God, it's going to be a never end. Aaron Rodgers in New York and dealing with the media there will be a show every week. I mean, it will be must-watch television. Yep, yep. Let me add something, Glenn, because it just popped in my mind because we're talking about the relations between the Ravens and Lamar and how it could go. Well, you look at Aaron Rodgers and the relations with the Packers, it's gotten nasty and personal yep. with his whole departure. I mean, he's been there 18 years, 16 years, 15 years as a starter. Um, and to get to this point, I, you know, I think back to, you know, a lot of times there's no easy way for an icon to move on. You know, I think back to Joe Montana, obviously, and they had Steve Young, and then Montana was injured. And, and well, yeah, Steve Young stepped in when Montana was injured. When Montana got healthy, they traded him to Kansas City. And, as opposed to, you know, giving him his job back. And so um, there was bad blood there, but they, they ended up repairing that, and, and it worked for Montana because he found a place to go and to be competitive. Well, th- the table is set for that to happen for Aaron Rodgers too, but this stuff has really gotten nasty between him and the Packers front office. So, yeah, you, you, you think about that in the context of Lamar to what you said about how relations can go. And it, there is no guarantee that money's going to just do that, right? Because no, Aaron Rodgers got paid a lot of money, but from the Packers. Yep, and, no question. And so now, yeah, and, and so now to see it, you know, get to this point, it, it's yeah, it, it's it's definitely personal too. Jarrett Bell, always appreciate my appreciate you, my friend. We'll be seeing you soon enough. Thank you for taking the time for us as always. All right, Glenn. Take care. Yeah. J- okay. J- Jarrett Bell with us here on GCR. Um, a couple things in there. Just you know the, the the comparison like I'll make. I I don't want to sound like I'm defending Aaron Rodgers because I think Aaron Rodgers is a borderline psychopath. But Aaron Rodgers was kind of pushed out the door now, not immediately, but at a time where they desperately needed other helpful football players. The Packers instead said, "We're going to draft a quarterback." I would have been pissed off about that too. Like to me, it would almost be a miracle that Aaron Rodgers didn't revolt then. Didn't say then, dude, what in the ever loving F? 
you're drafting a quarterback when you've never given me a first-round wide receiver and I'm still playing at the highest level and obviously still had many more years of high-level play. Like, I'm not... It doesn't... This is so tough because it sounds like I'm apologizing for Aaron Rodgers. I think Aaron Rodgers has a lot of issues, man. I think Aaron Rodgers is a troubled individual. He's also a very talented individual. One of the most remarkable... Until Patrick Mahomes came along, I would have argued that he was the most talented quarterback we ever saw play football. Um, I, I actually think there's a defense of Aaron Rodgers feeling like he has been slighted by the Green Bay Packers. Unquestionably, that decision, which clearly they're continuing to defend. They, like It's abundantly clear at this point that you could say whatever you want to say about Aaron Rodgers, what he said about the Packers wanting, like they wanted to move on, and now so do I. Most of the reporting backs that up, that the Packers quietly at the end of the season decided they were ready for it to be Jordan Love's time. I mean, they used a first round pick on the guy. Like they can't sit and wait forever to figure out if he's a football player. It goes back to why I would never. This is just not the way that I do this. I draft a quarterback when I need a quarterback. So now they're left with, is Jordan Love the answer? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe he is. Our guy Greg Rosenthal said the other day he thinks very highly of Jordan Love. Maybe Jordan Love will be a special football player. Or maybe he'll stink. But the Packers kind of have to know the answer to figure out what they're doing long term. And so they apparently were inclined to say, it's time. We're ready to move on and for Jordan Love to be our quarterback. Now, all the other stuff where Aaron Rodgers was at 90% he was going to retire before he went into the dark. That all speaks to his lunacy, you know, like all that, whatever. You know, he's a talented guy. He's far more accomplished than I am. Me saying things about Aaron Rodgers, like he clearly gets, he's clearly, it's easy to get under his skin. But I, I just don't, I don't care. God bless him. He's been a very successful football player. He absolutely believes he's smarter than other people is because of it. That's the way that we operate in society anymore. If you're wealthy or if you're good at something else, we think that means that you're smart, too. Instead of listening to the people that are actually smart about certain topics, we convince ourselves that Aaron Rodgers somehow knows more. It's a whole different thing. But I do believe that he has reason to say, what happened in Green Bay isn't really on me. They started this. They drafted a quarterback. When I, It's not just that they didn't... If you don't draft a wide receiver, but you draft a cornerback, you can at least argue, but we're trying to help the football team. They used a first-round pick on something completely antithetical to helping Aaron Rodgers. The, the opposite of that. They used a first-round pick on... The detriment of Aaron Rodgers. How are you not bothered by that? Yeah. And then you can make the argument that they came right back and they gave him sixty million a year. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's what Jared Bell's pointing out about: can yeah. money make can money make up for it? Yeah. If there's awkwardness between Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, can money just make up for that? Can you just get a contract and say, "Now I'm happy"? And it's eternally a question we don't know the answer to, right? Like, maybe, yeah. maybe that there's an amount of money that you just say, "Hey, look." 
Well, however you're feeling, you're about to get this check. It is still quite obvious that Green Bay w- didn't really want him because he, he went back-to-back MVPs the first year. He's not an MVP. They're like, all right, we can. Well, but I think move that I, had, I truly believe it has more to do with Jordan Love than anything. Mm-hmm. They, you used a first-round pick on a quarterback. At some point, you got to figure see. out if the guy can play. Like, if you just decide we're going to move him on, and then Aaron Rodgers is retires as he said he was thinking about doing, then what the hell? Like, you have to figure out if you've got something. You made this move. You've got to figure out if it's going to work or not. But my point in comparing it to Lamar is I I think at some level it can be warranted for Aaron Rodgers to argue that the issues between he and the Packers started with them. You can say whatever you want to say about him and his vaccination nonsense and him becoming a bit of a weirdo. You can say whatever you want to say about that. But this started the moment they selected a quarterback in round one of the draft when they didn't need a quarterback and desperately needed a wide receiver, for example, something to help him. He can have footing to say, I didn't do that. You did that. And it was never the same after that. I was always looking over my shoulder at when you were going to decide that you needed to figure out what your thing was with this first-round pick. For the last three years, this hasn't helped the football team. It's a arguably one of the most wasted first round picks, right? At least guys that aren't very good players got on the field and find out. You know, yeah. played. Jordan Love would play two games, something like that. I mean, like now he he might turn out to be a hell of a quarterback. He might be turn out to be an all pro, but at the moment it's been an utterly wasted first round pick. They knew what they were doing when they did it. They made that decision. So I can defend that. The Ravens haven't done that to Lamar Jackson. It's It has been publicly the opposite of that. Publicly. Now, privately, if they were fighting with him over you know his injury last season, if they were fighting with him about you know what they thought he should have been doing in recovery versus what he was doing, that might cause awkwardness. I've said before, who knows how Lamar Jackson feels about Steve Saunders? We've swept that entire story under the rug because the Lamar Jackson thing is so much more important. But, like, that was overwhelming, that reaction. So maybe Steve Saunders factors into whatever Lamar Jackson's feelings are about the Baltimore Ravens. And he just hasn't said anything about it. Publicly, the Ravens have not done something like drafting another quarterback that would show to the world that they're not fully committed to Lamar Jackson. What they've done publicly is say everything they could to show a commitment to Lamar Jackson. And as we said, the argument would be that even in giving him the non-exclusive tag, they were almost showing more commitment to him because they were saying, we're going to match. Go get your offer so we can match it because we want you to be our quarterback and we want to speed this process up. So should there be bad blood between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson? I, I, I almost can't measure it with Aaron Rodgers because, again, I think there is reason for Aaron Rodgers to believe the Packers caused the problem. That this started with them. What was the, when the office did the We Didn't Start the Fire song? Who started the fire? Like, Ryan. Ryan started, the, Ryan started the fire. That you, the Packers started the fire would be the Aaron way that Aaron Rodgers would feel. There's nothing publicly that we know about that with Ravens that would suggest the same thing. 
So that's where I would sort of separate the two a little bit in looking at those two scenarios. But it still doesn't mean, as I keep saying, there are times where you think you're just doing the right thing, where you think you're just, I might just say, you know, hey, I think my son, I think our son should, um, I, I, I think he should uh, take tennis lessons. And all of a sudden, it becomes some massive fight. You're like, what? I just said I think he should take tennis lessons. Like, what the hell just happened here? Cross the line. Come on. It, but that's the way relationships work. And it's not just, I use my wife as a comparison or, or somebody's spouse, but like you have this with friends all the time. Where even in a, in a conversation with a friend, you say something like, oh man, you missed that shot in that pickup basketball game you were playing, and all of a sudden it becomes like the Cold War. Because you would have made it? Well, dude, you missed the shot. I was just kind of joking around and having some fun. What the, what the hell just happened? People take things certain ways. The Ravens internally can believe, dude, we're just negotiating. That's all this is. We use the non-exclusive tag, not because we want to pay you $32 bucks this year. We used it because we want to speed up the process. We weren't trying to take money out of your pockets. We're trying to get it there quicker. But Lamar Jackson might feel the exact opposite. He might feel, in his heart, like you're trying to take money out of his pocket. And I don't know how you overcome that if that's the case. If the way he feels, true or not, is you're hurting me, I don't know what you do about that. We're into hour number two of today's program. Stan the Fan will be back tonight with Gary Stein talking to Ed Hale, the owner of the Baltimore Blast. That'll be at Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. If you miss it live, you can see it at YouTube.com slash PressBoxOnline or PressBoxOnline.com slash video. Stan the Fan, Gary Stein, and Ed Hale. Daniel Jeremiah is going to join us this hour. We will talk some NFL draft. What will the Ravens do? He had them going cornerback in his most recent mock draft. We'll talk about that when we come back in. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Are you a diehard O's fan looking for the perfect way to show your team spirit? Look no further than Birdland Sports. Birdland Sports is a small business run by fans for fans. They offer a wide variety of unofficial O's merchandise from the Birds Are Coming tees to player cartoon shirts and more. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. So head to BirdlandSports.com and grab your gear today. Show your support for the Birds with Birdland Sports. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit, stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19? Whether it's job loss or a change in career, CCBC has funding available for short-term career programs like welding. Our welding program provides hands-on training with experienced instructors, preparing you for a career in a high-demand field. And with classes starting in March, now is the perfect time to take advantage of this opportunity. Don't let the pandemic hold you back any longer. Call CCBC today at 443-840-2222 or online at ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC, welding. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, Luke Jackson profiles Orioles phenom Gunnar Henderson, breaking down how he was able to become the top prospect in baseball at such a young age, and what could be next in his first full MLB season. Also inside, we meet lacrosse players from the men's and women's college programs across the state, and Bo Smoka breaks down another year wide receiver issues for the Ravens. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores, and you can always find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Orioles, Ravens, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. That first sip. That first bite. Mm. Start your day off right with a delicious breakfast at Royal Farms. Choose from a fantastic selection of fresh Royal Farms breakfast sandwiches and top it off with a rich, hot cup of the freshest coffee in the world. At Royal Farms, breakfast is available day and night. It's the freshest breakfast in the world. Real fresh, real fast. Royal Farms. The Baltimore County Police Department is hiring. Entry-level officers start at over $60,000 and over $64,000 for lateral officers with $10,000 signing bonuses available. Plus, cadets start at over $32,000. Great benefits are available like medical, dental, and vision insurance, tuition reimbursement, 15 sick days per calendar year with no limit, career advancement to more than 20 specialized units, and more with further incentives for military service members and veterans. A passion for service, a career for life, with the Baltimore County Police Department. Find out more at joinbaltimorecountypd.com or call 410-887-5542. Must be a United States citizen, have a valid driver's license and a high school diploma or GED equivalent. If you miss anything on the show, don't forget that you can watch full episodes at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and you can download podcasts on Apple, iTunes, Amazon, and Grindr. Wait, did I say Grindr? I don't think that you would find it on Grinder. Not that I know it's on Grinder or anything. I swear. Second thought, you know what? I don't care what you think. Here's Glenn. All right, back in here on GCR as we continue along on a Thursday edition of the program. If you haven't checked out Bet Fred yet, now is the time to do it. Baseball betting is here. Bet $50 with Maryland's newest sports book, Bet Fred, and get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets along with other great incentives and promos when you sign up through pressboxonline.com slash offers. And that's the deal. You want to take advantage of it. It's not a password. It's not go to it's just go to pressboxonline.com slash offers. Click on the bet Fred link. Baseball futures bets, season specials, and player award bets are already live in Maryland. Pressboxonline.com slash offers now for your shot at winning big. Justice Hill is back with the Baltimore Ravens, so I, I guess that means that wide receiver, or sorry, the wide receiver, wide receiver is definitely not set. That running back is set. Um, you know, there was some question about whether Gus Edwards would stick around. There was some question about whether Justice Hill would stick around. I think there would even be an argument that, like, why spend any money at all on your third running back? Interesting to point out that Justice Hill was also helping them in the um, return game. There is still something a little bit unsettled about Devin Duvernay and whether or not they'd be willing to explore. Moving on from him, should they need more money to match a crazy Lamar Jackson contract? I again, when you're so thin at wide, we talked about this with Brian McFarland the other day. Like when you're yeah. so thin at wide receiver, we can all be disappointed in Devin Duvernay and say he's not much of a difference maker. But like, and, and given the class, it's what do you yeah, have? Yeah. Like what do you have otherwise? But the only argument about Justice Hill would just be that you say, hey, we're not spending any money at all on a third running back. That. Our third running back will be an undrafted free agent. Our third running back will be 
someone who doesn't even count two million dollars, a million dollars, whatever it is, against the cap. Um, you know, they like Justice Hill enough. He he was their pass catching back. You hope that Todd Munkin can get a little bit more uh, in the pass catching department from J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards moving forward. But you know, I said before, like. We all look at J.K. Dobbins' skill set and feel like he should be a good pass catcher, but he's never been that. Like, he wasn't that in college. It's not... I don't know what the disconnect is. I don't know if it's just that he hasn't been given the opportunity. I don't know if it's... He's just never been a pass catching back. But with his skill set and space, it feels like he should be a better pass catcher. Hopefully that can... So that can come with Todd Monk and his offensive coordinator. We will find out. Justice Hill returns to the Baltimore Ravens. That was the um, only real news yesterday. Obviously, the Chuck Clark trade became official because of the start of the league year, but we had known about that for a few days, so that's not really a thing. And then the Tyler Huntley situation. I You wonder if... The Ravens, and again, that report from Jeremy Fowler that the Ravens were monitoring Baker Mayfield and they were monitoring Jacoby Brissett, you do wonder if they were looking at options to try to improve their backup quarterback and emergency plan, saw that the market was not coming to them, like it was going to require real money, and they eventually just said, stick with the devil we know. You know, like, but it would have been nice to them to pluck off somebody, a Baker Mayfield, for next to no money, but it just wasn't an option. So it gives them the right of first refu- right of first refusal. I guess there is still some bizarro world where one of these teams that's unsettled at quarterback goes out and throws everything, not everything. But. You know, or if you're like, let's just say right now, who are the teams bes- behind the top three in the draft? that could still be in the quarterback market. So we we, we, we don't, don't want to rule out Washington completely. No. No, not well, I mean that's that's cuz they did their Tyler Huntley. Jacoby Brissett's their Tyler Huntley. So I don't think it would be Washington. And you would argue that Taylor Heineke is Atlanta's Tyler Huntley, right? Like that they don't these things shouldn't take them out of the Lamar market, but they probably do take them out of the Tyler Huntley market. So there's the first three teams that we all assume in Carolina, Houston, and Indianapolis, who's fourth. But we assume, unless somebody trades ahead of them with Arizona to get a quarterback, we assume all three of those teams are drafting quarterbacks to start the NFL draft. So anybody behind, eh, hell, even one of those teams. So Indy's a good example, right? Where if they're not in, in on Lamar, if they're committed to the idea that the fourth pick in the draft is going to be their quarterback... But they do say, hey, but we need to kind of have... need to make sure it's at least one of the three we want. Well, more that they would say, what if it's... Will Levis. Will Levis. What if it's the fourth guy, and we're not super excited about him in week one, do we need to have a better backup plan for what we do? I I don't think that anybody's going to put an offer out for Tyler Huntley that the Ravens wouldn't be able they would yeah. they would refuse right like i find it unlikely that there's going to be that type of market for tyler huntley i understand why they'd want that protection right like if you have the option why wouldn't you give yourself that protection and you don't have to man like if 
if there's a team that loves Tyler Huntley for whatever reason, if if Seattle wants a better backup plan to Geno Smith, Pittsburgh is the. <sighs> Is Mitch still there? I think I I don't know if Mitch is still there or not. But yeah, I mean, sure. If Pittsburgh, I, whatever. I mean, the problem being, you got to have somebody. Like somebody's yeah. got to play quarterback for you. And the way the market has gone, you can't get an affordable backup. So I think that they're going to kind of be stuck having to match. Or or wild card would be they don't feel like there's that drastic of a difference between Tyler Huntley and Anthony Brown. And if there is an offer of any real money on the table, they say, All right. fine. Go ahead. We'll just let Anthony Brown be the backup because we don't think it's that much of a drastic difference between the two of you. The only scenario where that's bad is if, again, for some reason you have no Lamar and you can't draft your quarterback. But at that point, again, I think you're better off just being bad yeah. than you are trying to have somebody that can win a couple of games or be semi-competitive in Tyler Huntley. That's the news. Is there anything else for Ravens, like news-wise, that came out yesterday? News. That was that was it. As news far out as of the castle this morning. Sorry, yes. Newcastle. Pennsylvania, Geno Stone's um, high school. I don't care about that. <laughs> well, they didn't. They didn't tender Geno Stone, which right? Yeah, they didn't. Tender. They didn't tender Geno Stone. Geno tweeted like half an hour ago, like an eyebrow raise emoji, because because well, his high school reposted the article. Or oh, okay. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> that's super weird. Because um, well, because the high school was like unlikely that Geno Stone stays in Baltimore. They're like news page. Well, there's I like for Twitter. they would say something like, "Well, we believe we like our guys so much that we believe somebody's going to offer them a great deal." The Ravens are saying, "Look, we like you, but we're not paying you money." Like, it, if if you don't have other options, by all means, come back, hang out with us. But you're not important enough to us, unfortunately. For, to and that's a bummer, and that might lead to if there's a small money figure available from somebody else Geno Stone just says I'll go take a chance somewhere else and go play there but you know I I get it I do understand the thought process for the Ravens the other weird part yesterday was the Patrick Queen tweet where I man they did not teach me these emojis in my high school and college journalism classes I don't know what any of them mean what what were the emojis again Uh, I don't even know what these emojis are dude like this is not my world Griffin's calling Daniel Jeremiah, so I might not be able to get my answers. These were the two emojis that Patrick Queen tweeted out yesterday. And I have no idea whether I should assume they're in any ways related to the thoughts that the Ravens might trade him. I don't even know how to describe. One looks like kind of a shocked face. There's like some red in the cheeks. The other maybe is a ghost. I, do you know what these emojis are? You're you're a young person. What are those emojis, Griffin? Tell me what those are and why you would use. What are the circumstances by you which you would use those emojis? Two fifty three yesterday. I, I, I don't worry. About, I'm just. What are the emojis? Do you um, know? No, I gotta. This I'm is my problem. I Patrick Queen tweets out these emojis, and I'm like, I, we're all wondering if the Ravens could be trading Patrick Queen, and so when we see an emoji, we're like, well, could he be trying to tell us something? But I'm a 40-year-old man, and I don't understand them, and I was not taught that in my college journalism classes, unfortunately. So I'm going to need someone else to explain it to me, and so far, no one's done a good job of explaining it to me, so I don't know. I know that when I need something in the NFL draft explained to me, the man to talk to is a former Ravens scout, now, of course, the lead NFL draft analyst for NFL Network, he is our friend Daniel Jeremiah, and he is back with us now here on GCR. Daniel Jeremiah, you have not like gone to emoji school, have you? You can't help me out in that department, can you? No, unfortunately I can't. And I had to do uh, back-to-back days of four-plus hours of our free agency coverage. Yeah. And this is 
been the year of the emoji. Oh my um, god! I had man. no no idea what they meant. I'm staring at this emoji as you understand. Like, there's reason to think that the Ravens could end up trading Patrick Queen after they spend a bunch of money on Roquan Smith, and they don't have as many. You know how the Ravens are. They only have five draft picks right now. They've got to be sweating over there. They can't. They got to be losing their minds. So we've all kind of talked about it. So we see Patrick Queen tweet out this emoji, and I'm just like, what does that mean? <laughs> what I need, I need my eight-year-old to try to explain it to me somehow. It is brutal, dude. Um, Daniel, yeah, that's the see, that's the world we're in, man. That's I, the world we're in. And I, I was, uh, I don't even know how to describe a couple of the emojis. I'm like, I was trying to ask one of my kids what an emoji meant. And they're like, well, what did it look like? I'm like, well, the eyes they were kind of squinted, but <laughs> facing down. But I don't, the eyebrows were maybe up. I don't know. This is where I am. It is. I, I'm sure there are people that are laughing at us right now and just thinking about how old we are. But, man, it is a different <laughs> world, brother. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, so much to cover with you. Um, I, 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 you have not put out a third mock draft yet, correct? Not yet. No, it's coming next week. In the second mock draft that you put out, you had the Ravens doing something that I think is very sensible. I think that most of us, if, if we assume, and I know that's quite the jump, that Lamar Jackson is going to be the quarterback come hell or, hell or high water, however they go about doing it, um, then we think that wide receiver and cornerback are the two biggest areas of need. You had them going corner with Brian Branch, who I think a lot of people would say, boy, if Brian Branch is sitting there at, at 22, of course you take Brian Branch, right? He's a great player, you know, and he's, you know, interesting thing with him is he's, you know, he plays nickel, he can play high, and you think about how many teams are playing with three safeties now, um, you kind of go with that big nickel if you want, and they'd have a couple options there with, with Kyle Hamilton and with Branch of two not only versatile players you know, and athletic guys, but two guys that are incredibly smart. Um, so however, however complex you wanted to get in disguises, you'd have two guys that are as good at it as there are. Uh, is, how does he separate from – obviously we've got a, a selfish local interest here in Deontay Banks, right? Not just because he went to Maryland. Mm-hmm. He's from right down the road here. He's a Baltimore kid. Um, but how does he separate from him, from a Joey Porter? Like how do you view the differences in these first-round cornerbacks that are going to be available? Well, I mean, those guys are, are outside corners, and he's going to be more of a nickel. Um, so when I have my updated top 50, which I think came out right at the – oh, actually yeah. came out right after the combine. So I've got Brian Branch is now my 31st player, and I've actually got uh, uh, Deontay Banks ahead of him as my 28th player. Okay. So you've got him you know, as an outside corner, and the way he worked out, to seeing him in person, I liked his tape – um, that was kind of the last piece of the puzzle for me. And then Joey Porter's is well above both of them for me. He's my 15th guy. So Porter and Porter uh, and Banks would be, you know, legit outside corners, whereas you're looking at more of a nickel safety combo with, with, uh, with Branch. I am accepting that it's not going to be Joey Porter. And i got to be honest with you, Daniel, you know I'm a little bit disappointed because, my God, Joey Porter Jr. in Baltimore would be one of the most delicious stories in Ravens history, <laughs> but I'm accepting that. Um, it sounds like what you're saying is is Banks that like you believe he's a viable option at 22. That like this is not just a feel good local story and this isn't homerism. That he could be a viable, really solid pick to plug and play, particularly if for whatever reason Marcus Peters doesn't end up back in Baltimore. Yeah, correct. Uh, and I'm to me like when you get to you know around 15 or 16 on my list. Between 15 and 16 and, like, 37, 38, like, those guys are all graded almost identically. So it's just going to be a flavor, you know, thing at that point in time. Who do you like? Um, 
you know, because value-wise, I don't think there's much difference. So for Banks to come in right now as my 28th player, if he went in the teens, um, I don't think that's a reach by any stretch. And if somehow he landed in the 30s, uh, that wouldn't surprise me either. It's just it's a weird draft where we don't really have you know kind of tiers. It kind of goes with a, a handful, six or seven, you know, really really top shelf guys, and then it's like a pool of fifty players and just kind of scramble them up however you want. Uh, all right, Daniel Jeremiah is with us here on GCR, of course, the host of Move the Sticks at Move the Sticks on Twitter. Um, I I think the feeling that I have is like the biggest thing that's been difficult for me to get a handle of is the wide receivers, Daniel. And it's interesting to me, you have in your rankings, Jordan Addison significantly separated from any other wide receiver in this class. Why is that? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not, that's not something that's shared by everyone. So there's people that have him as the fourth receiver. Um, to me, I I think he's the most complete receiver in terms of, I think he can play outside. I think he can play inside. He's an outstanding route runner. Um, he can get over the top with speed and he can do things after the catch. But, you know, Bucky and I talk about this on the podcast all the time. If you go back and really kind of look at wideouts over the last decade, the guys that have popped, um, and really performed well at the next level, they were polished route runners. Now they came in all different sizes and speeds, but it was the kind of the craftsmen, the true route runners that translated really well. You know, some of the height, weight, speed guys that were raw, that's kind of, there's a pile of busts in that, in that group, uh, with that skill set who just didn't have any route polish. And to me, I think you look at the three best route runners are Addison, Smith and Jigba and Zay Flowers. Um, and I think Smith and Jigba is purely a slot. Uh, and with Flowers, you know, he's 5'9". So with Addison, I get at least a little more height, and I got somebody that can play inside and outside. So that's why I'm at the top guy. If you're looking at the Ravens, and we're assuming Rashad Bateman is healthy and plays a little bit bigger, is more of a possession guy, would it be logical to say that the Ravens would want to prioritize speed in a wide receiver opposite of him? Yeah, I've I've long thought that you know how they build that team around Lamar is with is with speed, and they yeah. tried it, and they've you know with Hollywood, but um, you know continuing to have have guys that can make you pay because I don't think you know you don't need Lamar to beat you up five yards at a time through the air. He's gonna he should be able to get explosives through the air just because you can run the ball so well. You're gonna have flat roof lines with safeties, and you should be able to get some home runs. But you got to have guys that can go out there and get it. Um, so I, I'm with you. I think that speed is a, is a nice compliment to what they have on the ground. And that, to me, a possession receiver doesn't really do anything for me in this offense at this point in time. It, it, does that make Zay Flowers more compelling in this conversation? Oh, I'd love, yeah, I'd love it. I would love Zay Flowers in that mix. And for those that haven't seen him, you know, at, at Boston College, like if you've seen Tyler Lockett, uh, and what he does at the, for the Seahawks, I think Zay Flowers do the exact same thing. Wow. Uh, wow. I think he would be an excellent fit. Man, Tyler Lockett's a hell of a player, man. That's a that's a hell of a comp. Yes. Um, is, is They're that... darn near identical. When you look at all their workout numbers and all that stuff, it's identical. Wow. Is there, you know, again, maybe you say, look, but Addison's such a good player that if you have the chance to get Addison, it is, is Flowers, from a fit perspective, do you think he's the best fit of the wide receivers for the Ravens? Oh, I think he's a great fit. I think in terms of the best fit, I would say you know him and Addison would be the would okay. be the conversation. Um, I, I like I like Addison personally better, but I wouldn't have any uh, I wouldn't have any objection if somebody saw it the other way. I think Zay Flowers is a stud. You know the affinity that this franchise has for tight ends. They have a loaded tight end room right now. We all liked what we saw from Isaiah Likely, 
Mark Andrews is one of the best tight ends in the league. You know, Charlie Kolar, we didn't even get to scratch the surface. But Todd Munkin is here, and Darnell Washington is a monster. Is there any world? <laughs> is there any world where you could see them even thinking about it, knowing that this has never been a franchise that's been afraid to add another tight end into the mix? Yeah, it's you know, you hit it. It's definitely not a need. Not at uh, all. But, but that's been the philosophy in Baltimore for 25 years. Has been best player available. Um, and if he lands as the best player available at that time, even with what they have already in this offense, I don't. I I would say absolutely go ahead, go do it. And he, you know what he does as a blocker is so unique. Uh, it's like playing with the sixth offensive lineman to go along with what he can do catching the football. You know, it, it would be kind of a a different type of tight end for sure than Mark Andrews and likely um, he, he's a different style altogether. Um, he's a freak, right? Like, I mean, he's just, I don't oh, know. Yeah. He's a that, cyborg. That word, that word sometimes it gets overused in evaluating guys. Right. You know, if this is a freak, that's a freak. He's a freak amongst freaks. It's interesting to me that you have, you, you do have a couple of tight ends ahead of him. I, 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 it's so unique to Munkin that I don't know that the Ravens would consider another tight end. Like, I, I just think that there's a unique connection there. But you, you're really bullish about the tight ends in this draft, it appears. It's stacked. It's the best tight end group in a decade. Wow. Um, when I went through it the other day and just looking at it, I think I had 10, 11 guys that I thought were starters, wow. you know, that would develop into starting tight ends, which is an enormous number. That's so insane. I've got five in my top 50, um, and I've got another one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So that's, that's 12 guys, I think, going to be starters. It's ridiculous. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah with us for another couple of minutes of the NFL Network. Uh, Daniel, I'm going to ask you this question. I I believe, in fact, you're going to laugh about this. I currently have a pie chart over me or a, a meter. We're doing a bit where I think there's a 74% chance that Lamar Jackson is going to be the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens in week one because we've reached that point of sports talk radio here in Baltimore. Understand that's just where we are. But as I say that, I'm telling you, I, I think the tea leaves are saying it's likely. But let's just say that the Colts at some point in this process decide they don't actually love whoever the third quarterback might be, or maybe somebody trades ahead of them to get to the third spot to make their life more difficult and make it so that now it's the fourth quarterback on the list, and they decide to throw a huge, insane, you know, unmatchable offer towards Lamar Jackson, and they pry him away. My question would be, do you want to be the team that's looking at the third or the fourth quarterback in the top five of this year's draft, in the way that you look at this quarterback class, should you yeah. be spending that type of pick on a quarterback given what's actually there? Well, you know, I, I think if you say there's no Lamar Jackson that exists and that opportunity is, is not possible, I would say, you know, these quarterbacks are, are worthy of going up there in this draft and okay. worthy of, of taking your swing. But, when I look at having the alternative that rarely exists to have somebody of his age and accomplishment no doubt. that's attainable, yes. that's different. And so the way I look at it, I've been kind of making this case for a while now with the Colts. If you're the prospect of your third or fourth quarterback um, and all you're giving up really is next year's one, um, which you would hope if you have Lamar Jackson, it's not going to be too high of a pick. It, you know, for, for maybe some security and to solidify that position, even if you say Lamar's an athletic quarterback, maybe it's only – five years more or six years more as opposed to, you know, 10 to 12 years more. That's worth it all day long. So um, that, I wouldn't rule that out. And I push back a little bit on this thought because I don't know if you've heard this. I'm sure when you 
you're following this thing like you guys are. But people have said, well, the Colts should just wait until after the draft because then they wouldn't be parting with the fourth overall pick. They'd mm-hmm. be parting with the next two first-round picks. Mm-hmm. And my counter to that would be, yeah, but if the Ravens can acquire the fourth pick, maybe they would be more likely to not match the offer sheet. Hmm. So if the goal is to get the player, you do want to make it somewhat attractive, the you know, the compensation for the Ravens to not match. And I think the fourth pick is a nice that's a nice carrot to dangle in front of them. So how do you if I, I know that you like young significantly, how do you see the mm-hmm. first like how do you see the first three quarterbacks playing out in this draft at this point? Yeah, I mean, in terms of how they come off the board, I think we're all guessing. Uh, I don't think anybody has a clue of what the Panthers are going to ultimately end up yeah. doing. I just have the most confidence that wherever Bryce Young lands, that he's going to be successful. I, I just, I know the size is what it is, but but all the things that make up a great quarterback, you know, size hasn't been one of those. Um, you look at accuracy, poise, decision making, playmaking, you know, leadership, intelligence, character. Like he's off the charts in all of them. He's just short. Um, and not a real thick frame. So, uh, to me, I think he's clearly the best one. And then Stroud, I think, is the most natural thrower. He's a gifted thrower. I don't think he, you know, plays quite as athletic all the time as he did in that Georgia game. Um, so, you know, that's the knock there. And then, you know, with Richardson, there's no chance Anthony Richardson is a good NFL quarterback. And that's a quote that people can clip off and make headlines wow. with. But the follow-up is he's either going to be a superstar okay, or, or it's not going to work. Right. All right. But yeah, it, he is he is hero hero or zero. I mean, it's going to be a home run pick. It's a swing for the fences. Um, but with so many stud quarterbacks right now in the AFC specifically, you got to take your shot at some point uh, in time. Brother, I would much rather have Lamar Jackson. Like that's just where I am. But we've got to consider. All oh, you know what you got. Yeah. You know what yep. you got. One hundred percent. We got to consider. I, I'm, I'm in your camp. Uh, before I let you go, three Maryland wide receivers that are in this. Can you just give me a quick thumbnail on Rakim Jarrett, Jacob Copeland, and Dante Demas? How you see those guys? Yeah, first of all, it was funny at the combine. It's like one after another, they just kept coming up and, right. and running. But uh, you know, when I look at Jarrett, I gave him the highest grade of all of them. You know, I like what he can do just with speed. You know, the four 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 plays, jet sweeps, deep overs, big time burst. Um, just had some easy drops. That was a knock on him. Uh, with Copeland. Uh, he was the next one for me, you know, playing outside. He's physical. Um, he can work in space, just not a lot of production. Um, I think he only had 27 catches. And then with Demas, he was the third for me. Again, only 22 catches, a little bit of a strider, and needs some work to polish up as a as a, as a route runner. Um, but I thought there was some toughness there. Again, he was a, he ran high four fives. So that would be the order for me, Jarrett, Copeland, Demas. Very good. At Move the Sticks on Twitter, the Move the Sticks podcast, and, of course, basically every moment of every day between now and the NFL draft. You'll see him on the NFL Network. Daniel Jeremiah, always appreciate You've always been good to us, my friend. Thank you for taking the time for us, and we'll talk again down the road, all right? I appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll look forward to the ra- the Orioles in three years. You're going to be good enough and, to play my Padres in the World Series. Oh, we'll talk about it. Oh, we can't steal Manny Machado back, which is a bummer. Hey, buddy, appreciate <laughs> you. Thank See you, man. You. Later, Daniel Jeremiah, with us here on GCR. Some interesting stuff in there, right? Like, obviously, very bullish about Addison. Like, really high on him. But it's interesting from a fit perspective that he kind of says kind of slips out Smith and Jigba in that conversation, right? The best fits would be Addison or Flowers. And that's more compelling to me. Look, there's a possibility. I'm still going to be stunned if the wide receivers don't come off, at least one comes off the board.
But I am starting to sell myself on from a fit, Flowers being the guy. Like, um, just from a fit standpoint, in a Lamar Jackson offense with Rashad Bateman, a healthy Rashad Bateman on the other side, that Zay Flowers is the guy that makes the most sense of this group. And it's funny because I like Smith and Jigba a lot, right? Like, I, I think you've heard me talk about how much I like Smith and Jigba. But I'm selling myself on Flowers. I think the the argument is against Quentin Johnston, who, again, I like as a player, but I just don't, I don't know that that's the logical fit for a wide receiver here in Baltimore. Appreciate Daniel Jeremiah taking the time for us this morning. Today's show also brought to you by the Baltimore County Police Department. If you have a passion to serve and you are looking for a career for life, the Baltimore County Police Department is now hiring. Join BaltimoreCountyPD.com, 410-887-5542. Cadet salaries start at over $32,000 a year. Entry-level officers over $60,000. Lateral officers over $64,000 with a $10,000 signing bonus available for entry-level and lateral officers. Again, join BaltimoreCountyPD.com or 410-887-5542. We're going to try to end at about normal time today because we want to watch the Maryland game. So we're going to try to get this thing wrapped up here in a minute. It is a Thursday edition of Glenn Clark Radio. Gambling can be a fun and entertaining experience, but there are risks involved. If you're planning on betting on the game at the casino or on your phone or computer, know your limit and stay within it. Set a budget and a time to stop. Remember, gambling isn't a financial solution and it doesn't mix well with alcohol or drugs. Know the risks and have a plan before you begin gambling. For free and confidential services, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Baseball season is finally here, and what better way to celebrate than with some fresh gear from Birdland Sports. As a small business run by O's fans, Birdland Sports offers a great selection of unofficial merchandise, including unique designs like Birds Are Coming tees, player cartoon shirts, and championship prediction designs. And the best part? Their prices are more affordable than the big guys. Get high-quality gear without breaking the bank. So whether you're heading to the ballpark or watching from home, show your love for the birds with Birdland Sports. Visit Birdland Sports. Sports.com today to browse their collection and gear up for the season. Let's go O's. Whether your focus is luxury and comfort, convenience and technologically advanced connectivity, or sporty performance and aggressive styling, we've got the perfect Highlander for you. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Highlanders from your local Toyota dealer today. Have you experienced hardship due to COVID-19 and want to start a new career path? Look no further than CCBC. Starting in March, CCBC offers short-term career training programs in IT and cybersecurity. And the best part? Funding is available to those who qualify. IT and cybersecurity are growing fields that can provide a stable income and job security. With CCBC's IT and cybersecurity programs, you'll learn everything you need to know to get started in these exciting fields. Call us at 443-840-2222 or visit ccbcmd.edu to learn more. CCBC IT and cybersecurity. Your new career starts now with funding available. 443-840-2222 or ccbcmd.edu. 
Another Orioles season is in the books, and the Bataround was there every step of the way as the Birds posted their first winning season in six years. And after promoting two number one overall prospects in Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Mike Elias has said it's liftoff from here. Hi, I'm Paul Valley, and along with my co-host Zach Goodman, we'll be here every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon all off-season, discussing every signing, trade, and waiver claim as we navigate the cold winter months that lead to spring training. You can watch us at youtube.com slash pressboxonline and facebook.com slash pressboxsports or listen live at pressboxonline.com slash radio. And if you miss a show, you can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. So tune into the Bat Around with Paul Valley and Zach Goodman every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon right here at Pressbox Sports. Stan the Fan here, welcoming back one of my favorite sponsors, the Costas Inn. And everybody around Baltimore knows the Costas Inn is a great place to go and grab crabs, steaks, salads, soups, whatever's on your mind to eat in person. But did you know that the Costas Inn has upped their game? They are now one of the premier takeout places in Baltimore. Give them a call now to order your food, 410-477-1975. That's the Costas Inn, over 4100 North Point Boulevard. If you need more of Glenn, you can also hear him every Sunday with Rita on 105.7 The Fan. But also, if you need more of Glenn, um, what's wrong with you? All right, winding down for a Thursday edition of the program. Again, Bet Fred is Maryland's newest sports book. It's up and running just in time for March Madness. You want to get your Maryland-West Virginia bet in right now? Well, register, pressboxonline.com slash offers. Click on the Bet Fred link. Bet $50, get up to $1,111 in bonus Fred bets. Again, pressboxonline.com slash offers for Bet Fred specials and other great sign-up deals. All right, we are going to try to wind down for a Thursday edition of the show. I, I, somebody asked if I was going to talk about the Juan Dixon thing. I, I would say the entire situation is is sad, right? Like, it's sad that um, a legendary local basketball figure, a Baltimore legend, the Maryland legend, you know, had the opportunity to sort of create something there, and it just never really clicked. But clearly the bigger sort of thing that – lingers over it is this scandal involving a former player and a former assistant coach and whether or not Juan did what he should have done when he received information about it. And I don't know enough comfortably to have really spoken about it. That's also, and I mean this, because it's Coppin State basketball and it just doesn't register the same way, it's not something that I did a whole lot of investigating about. So where the line for Coppin was between that issue and success on the basketball floor there were moments where it looked like Coppin was trending in the right direction the last couple of seasons. It's a very difficult job. It's one of the toughest jobs in all of college basketball. So if that didn't exist, would they have been inclined to give Juan Dixon a little bit more time? I don't know. I, 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 just, I just don't know. If he was successful, would they be more inclined to, I don't say turn a blind eye because that's kind of the problem, but to say, hey, this wasn't like we don't think it was one that did something inappropriate in all of this. We just, I don't know. It, I don't know enough to to comment on it. Um, it's a shame. All of it's a shame. It's it's a bummer um, for everybody involved. And obviously, at the center of it is someone who is a, a former player who is truly mistreated by a former in assistant coach, and that's completely unacceptable. And you know, should have, in hindsight, been dealt with much more swiftly, but. All of it's a shame. We will see what direction. It's not an easy job. It's a very difficult job. 
It's extraordinary. Truly, I'm not. This is not hyperbole. It is one of the most difficult jobs in all of college basketball to be the head coach at Coppin State. There are things that you have to do as a coach there. We've talked about it with Juan over the years. Like, you got to make money by going and playing games other places, and you've got to craft a brutally difficult schedule because of it. And your records are always going to look awful because you've got to go play money games in order to help them make their budget. They don't have a football program. They It's tough. It's really tough. So it's a small school. There's not a huge alumni base. Like, there's just not there's not a lot to work with there. So we will see how it goes for Coppin. But, you know, just unfortunate. I, 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 I hate to see, like, I'm riding the fence in some sort of way. I don't, I'm not comfortable condemning anybody in this process. It's just, it's, it's, it's tough. It's very tough. Um, anything I, we covered, Aaron Rodgers. I, I'd be. St- I guess there's a report today from Mike Florio that the Packers are looking for to get a, specifically a first-round pick and more from the Jets for Aaron Rodgers. And I don't blame them for that, and I don't blame the Jets for balking at it. The Jets are saying, "Well, he's not going to play for you, <laughs> so if we know he's going to be here, we'll we'll wait this out. At some point." You're going to have to move off of that. And if you're the Packers, you say, we're not – I mean, it is interesting to see where this goes. Like, how do they meet in the middle between the Jets saying, why would we give you a first-round pick for a 40-year-old quarterback that doesn't want to play for you any longer and won't play for you any longer? And if you're the Packers, you're going to say, yeah, but we don't have to give him up either. Now, I mean, I guess you'd probably like – I, man, I don't have the answer. I don't have the answer for how it plays out. I think that ultimately they figure out a way to make it work. Yeah. It doesn't I mean, involve a first-round pick. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, like, if I the... Mean, it's, like, what kind of compensation? Like, is a second-round pick? Yeah, like... I, I mean, I don't know. It's fair for a quarterback that you don't know how much he has left. It's going to end up being, like, a 20-24 second-rounder. Second yeah, yeah, I could see that being... I could see something like that end up being what it is that it takes in order to get something done. All right, let's wind down for the day. Let's get a tidbit. Tidbit is brought to you today by Birdland Sports. We love Birdland Sports. They have incredibly cool T-shirts. This one is the birds in the wire lettering. Of course, the birds are coming in the style of Omar. The Gunnar Henderson Maverick-style shirt, all of it is available. Birdlandsports.com, by birds fans, for birds fans. Cool shirts, different unique ideas, and on top of that, prices much better than the big guys. And yet the quality remains the same. Birdlandsports.com. Go check them out today. All right, I will continue with the March Madness tidbits. Uh, We did the Final Fours yesterday. Uh, Now I want to see if you can name the teams with the most uh, Sweet 16 appearances ever. You want to do? Do you want to do since the field of sixty four, nineteen eighty five, or do you want to do all time? I mean, I don't. They're still going to be similar. I don't really care. Um, what? How many am I trying to come up with? Let's go with the top nine. 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 All so time. North Carolina. North Carolina is third on the list. Kansas. Kansas is fifth on the list. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky first. Forty-four. Uh, Sweet sixteen appearances, most by any school ever. Duke. Duke is fourth. Thirty-two. UCLA. UCLA is second. So there you go. You got knocked out the top five. Um, Michigan State. Michigan State sneaks in. Tied for nine. They have 20 appearances. Well then, so it's not nine teams that I'm looking for if there's a tie. Two, three, four, five, if there's six, a tie, seven, then I'm looking ten, for... Ten. Oh, yeah, you're right. Top ten. 
God bless you. You're, st- you're still red hot. God bless you. <laughs> uh, Louisville. Yes, Louisville. They're tied for six. 24 Sweet 16s for the Cardinals. Arizona. Arizona sneaks in. They're tied for ninth. Okay. All right, so there's two now. You have two more. Uh, I haven't said Indiana, have I? You Indiana. have not said Indiana, and they are top eight. 22 sweet 16s. So I've got, I'm one away from going a perfect nine for nine. So 10, 10 for 10. For 10. Yeah, 10 so there's 10 a 10. lot of pressure on this last one. Man, a lot of pressure here. And I don't know if it's more modern or if it's older. I, I'm all over the place. All right, so I'm going to write down, I'm going to write down five guesses. Okay. Right? And I will, uh, you know what? I'm just going to write, we got to wrap this up. Syracuse. Wow. 10 for 10. Yeah! 10 for 10. Syracuse. Tied, yeah! for, tied with Louisville. Oh, yeah. 10 for 10. That is impressive. Suck it. <laughs> One shining moment. <laughs> Reach for the sky. One shining moment. You knew. Why don't we do um, a side bet on our brackets and the loser has to perform One Shining Moment the morning okay. after the tournament ends? Uh yeah, why not? Sure. All right, very good. Side okay. bet on our brackets. We'll see how we do on that. God, God, that is awesome. All right, all right. Well, come on, get me to the game already. App Furman, Virginia. I just want to make sure that this. We don't want to watch. No, that. we want. Why is this not, not available? available? CBS games not available. All right, I got to use this the Paramount Plus app. Oh, we got a problem now. I don't know if we have the Paramount. Right, we got to wrap up. App. All right, we got to figure this out. Tidbit was also brought to you today by your local Toyota dealer and buyatoyota.com. The Toyota Tacoma comes in a range of models and trim lines, so you can choose the perfect Tacoma to reflect your your, your unique personality and driving habits. Check out buyatoyota.com for deals on new Tacomas from your local Toyota dealer today. Just got a hello from Jim Nance. Just messaged a hello 15 minutes before he... Really? Sorry, he couldn't join us. He's, he's a busy man. He's got eight teams to get ready best. for. It's what it is. Maybe if they win today, we'll see what happens. Fifteen minutes before the game, I get that. Thanks, Jim. Can you get me a Paramount Plus? <laughs> Can you work on that for me? Love you, buddy. All right, uh, Tubular brought to you by. It's brought to you by the print issue of Press Box, which is available right now. Your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of loca- locations around town where you find Pressbox, read it all at pressboxonline.com. That's Gunnar Henderson. You see him? He's on the cover. So, you know, that's cool. We like that because he's Gunnar Henderson, and it's a great story from Luke Jackson. Go pick it up right now for free at your neighborhood Royal Farms, any of the hundreds of locations around town where you find Pressbox, or read it all at pressboxonline.com. Yes, Maryland, West Virginia is the story at 12.15, the NCAA tournament gets underway on CBS, followed today on CBS by Texas A&M, Corpus Christi, Alabama, then tonight, Oral Roberts, Duke, Louisiana, Tennessee. Uh, True TV, Furman, Virginia at 12.40, College of Charleston, San Diego State, 3.10, Boise State, Northwestern, 7.35, UNC Asheville, UCLA at 10.05, Griffin's upset pick of the week, UNC Asheville over UCLA. Drew Pember, baby. Sure. You'll know his name by the end of the night. I I. Maybe. We'll find out. I don't know. Uh, TBS has Howard, Kansas at 2, Illinois, Arkansas at 4.30, Colgate, Texas, 7.25, Penn State, Texas A&M at 9.55, TNT, Utah State, Missouri, let's go Ryan Odom, 1.40, Princeton, Arizona at 4.10, Auburn, Iowa at 6.50, Northern Kentucky, Houston at 9.20. ESPN Plus for the WNIT, Towson's at Harvard at 7 o'clock, 
and, and also Morgan State's at Wake Forest at 6 o'clock. Uh, no broadcast for the Orioles today. They play at 6 uh, against the Blue Jays, Zach Thompson and Cole Irvin, the pitching matchup. And you know what? You're watching basketball. Who the hell cares about anything else? GlennClarkRadio.com if you want to find it there. Uh, you know what? Non-sports, again, Glenn Clark Radio. J- Jason Sudeikis, he'll be on O'Fallon. I love him, but you're watching basketball. Who are we kidding? It's basketball today. That's what you're watching. Find it all at glennclarkradio.com. Gambling can be fun, but you should set a limit. Stay within it. Remember that if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org. Thanks today to Jarrett Bell. Thanks to Chelsea James from the Washington Post. Thanks to Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network. We'll get it all up in the greatest hits section of the Oh my God, it's, it's so, so good. good tab at GlennClarkRadio.com. Don't forget, 74% on the Lamar meter Lamometer. today. 74%. We'll update it again at the top of tomorrow's show. No, uh, Stan's going to join us, but I don't think he's going to join us in studio tomorrow. He's a little under the weather after getting back from Florida, so he'll join us at some point tomorrow. We'll talk Terps. Stuff and things is coming up on the program tomorrow. Thanks to everybody at PressBox, all of our great sponsors and partners, including the Baltimore County Police Department, Problem Gambling, Royal Farms, the Costas Inn, CCBC, Birdland Sports, your local Toyota dealer, buyatoyota.com. Thanks to Griffin at Griffin underscore Bass on Twitter. Follow us, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Glenn Clark Radio. Have a great Thursday night. Go Terps. Go Towson women. Go Morgan women. Duke sucks.